Right, good evening. Welcome. Welcome to Spirit Rock and Dharma and Recovery. I'm Kevin Griffin, and uh, it's nice to be here. This is one of the rare months when I did not send out an email inviting people to come, partly because I was out of town until Tuesday night, and partly, well, I just wanted to keep it small. Does that make sense? I don't know. It's probably a lie, but it's, I don't know. Um, it's not exactly a lie. It's that, that uh, sometimes I feel uh, less like a teacher than other times. And then I think, okay, maybe no one will come, and then I don't have to be a teacher. That would be good. It's a strange thing. I, I know I'm not supposed to talk about this, and it might seem... Uh, whatever, narcissistic, not that quite, but something like that. But, um, but at the same time, as a you know, as a person who's benefited a lot from uh, public, uh, at least semi-public uh, openness, sometimes I find it helpful to just talk about uh, the challenges of of being. A Dharma teacher, you know, it's 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 something about it seems silly to me um, of someone being, you know, oh, well, you you know, someone having something that's that's uh, that they're supposed to keep giving to people, but especially the idea that you always have something to say—that's <laughs> the problem. I can come up with things to say from time to time, and sometimes I'm on a roll. Other times I feel like, just leave me alone, you know, (laughs) go away. Not that I don't love you all. So so inviting, isn't it? You come to Spirit Rock, the teacher says, go away. Well, next month I'm going to go on a two-week retreat, and I haven't sat a retreat in two years, which is the longest time that I've gone without a retreat in at least um, 25 years. And um, so I'm suffering a bit from lack of retreat, Um, which, you know, if I were fully enlightened, it wouldn't matter, right? Because I just would, it would all be just the same, right? Retreat, not retreat. But uh, I'm still working on that, or not. I've actually given up working on that, but anyway. Um, you weren't sighing or something like, God, would you get on with it? You know, this is really boring, I want to meditate. But I, I yeah. So, um, but I'll, I'll give you some news. We have the, and this is going to be really good because it'll be after the retreat. <laughs> I teach much better after retreats, that's what I'm getting at. Uh, we just opened the registration for my fall retreat at Vajrapani Institute, which is in, uh, it's near Santa Cruz, up in the mountains. And it's uh, the retreat that I've been teaching. It's the only one that I kind of organize uh, and that I've been teaching since uh, 2004. So it's Buddhism 12 Steps, intensive retreat, meditation retreat. So it's largely done in silence. There are, there's interactive work and, and there's a meeting each evening. But uh, other than that, we work with the silent practice. And uh, 
So it's a, it's a good opportunity if you haven't um, been on a retreat. It's a good kind of introduction into a retreat while still kind of having the container of the 12 steps and of a recovery community. Um, so there's flyers back on the table back there. You're interested in the actually the person who's handling the registration is also going to be teaching Qigong, uh, Greg Bergamot, who published a book called Qigong in Recovery. He he was out here with me, wasn't he? I think I don't know. My memory is pitiful. Uh, so um, we're going to meditate in a minute or two. But I'm just updating you on the latest news. So uh, other. I think somewhat interesting thing I hope you'll find interesting is that uh, a couple weeks ago I, I went out to Boulder, Colorado and recorded eight hours of audio on Buddhism and the Twelve Steps and um, for Sounds True. And uh, so they're going to, they're editing it and hopefully they'll make it make sense. You know, um, maybe with digital, you know, something, right? Uh, but it was, it was kind of fun. As many of you know, I'm a musician, so going into a recording studio is a, is a, a familiar and, and for me very pleasant experience. And so kind of walking in and there's an easy chair and then and a microphone and headphones. They were like, well, do you want to wear the headphones? Because some Dharma teachers don't feel comfortable with headphones. I'm like, give me the headphones. Yeah, yeah I want to hear this. And, and, uh, and I recorded some acoustic guitar to go on it too as kind of transitions. But that's going to come out with my next book like next summer. So, um, you know, it's kind of, kind of fun. So they're, they're going to release two program, a six-CD set and then a two-CD set. So there you go. That's uh, now back to your regularly scheduled program. Um, so uh, what we usually do here, for those who have not been here before or not familiar with our format, is we sit for about 30 minutes. Uh, sit is what we call meditating out here because we don't like to be like make a big deal about what we're doing. In fact, we know we, we're sitting, or some of us are lying down, but, uh, but, and we may be meditating. So that's, you know, sort of up to you whether you're meditating or not. So uh, we'll do that for about 30 minutes, and I'll give some guidance. So if, you're, if you want to learn a little bit about meditation, and then maybe after that some time for questions and a break, and then uh, I have something uh, I think special to share tonight. So there you are. So let's let's begin the sitting. Coming into a comfortable posture where you can be alert and relaxed. Or 
trying to bring the body into a kind of alignment with the head and the shoulders, the hips all lined up so that there's a balance in the body. No pressure or tension on any single point. You can close your eyes or if you're more comfortable just lowering your gaze, that's okay. And beginning by doing some conscious relaxation through the body, relaxing the muscles in the face, the jaw, the eyes, the forehead. Moving the attention down to the shoulders, letting the shoulders soften, relax, open. Relaxing the arms and hands. Softening the belly, letting the breath move deeply into the body. Letting the chest be open. Relaxing through the hips and pelvis, the legs and feet. And feeling the body as a single object. Feeling all the energies and sensations through the body. Trying to maintain as close to stillness as you can. So that your attention can become more refined or precise.
and bringing the attention to the sensations of breath. Letting the mind rest with the breath. What does that mean for you? What is the breath for you? Where do you feel the breath? From a broad view, you might feel the whole body involved in breathing. Or you might find a particular point where you can feel a sensation with each breath. Notice the sensations of breathing in and the different sensations of breathing out. This can give you a starting point for becoming more aware, becoming clear about what the breath feels like. Naturally, the mind will run off, will get caught in thoughts or plans, calculations, memories. So whenever you notice that, acknowledge that that's happened 
and then gently come back. And gently coming back means to not be unkind to yourself because your mind has wandered. We try to stay present with this practice. For most of us, that's a great challenge to sustain that. But when you find yourself actually feeling your breath, pay very close attention. If you can notice details of the experience, not just knowing in and out, but start to bring the attention in closer. So that you start to be aware of the many different sensations involved in each breath. seeing the changing quality of breath, how each breath is unique, 
how each moment of sensation is unique. How does the breath change over time? How does thinking or feeling alter the breath?
People that are sitting in the back on the floor are welcome to come forward if you like. Do not be afraid. Um, So I always like to allow a little time for questions about practice, if there are any this evening. I've been uh, spent the last few weeks uh, cleaning out my office. Uh, not that it takes weeks to clean out my office, but just that uh, such an onerous task that I can barely bring myself to do it. But today I was going through an old uh, folder that, yes, I had gotten it from my parents when my mother died, and had pictures, uh, photographs. You remember those physical objects, uh, and there was a group of them. I thought I could do do like fifteen years of hair of my life. You know, when I started to grow my hair at about fourteen, and then it, at one point it's like down to here, and then it gets shorter. But uh, there's also a picture of my of um, a procession uh, of first communion. Uh, and a group of boys, including me, seven-year-olds, I believe we were, six or seven, in white suits, walking along like this. I thought, oh, look, I knew, I knew how to do that when I was seven. I knew how to do it Anjali. Um, and I'm one of the few that's actually like walking along with the looking down, looking serious. Most of them are like, hi, Mom. <laughs> I was pretty serious about that stuff. Okay, I shared again. Um, I will, uh, yeah, so uh, for those, uh, again, who aren't familiar, uh, um, we usually kind of talk about something about uh, a step here. Uh, one of the 12 steps and sort of go through the year and uh, the, the step of the month. And so uh, this is step seven this month. And I'm not, I'm not going to do a lot about it, but um, I'm, I'm going to mostly do, uh, I'm mostly going to read something from Ajahnamro. But um, just to uh, give you a little bit of uh, my approach to this, which and I, and this is, I'm gonna this will give me something to contrast what Ajahnamro is talking about. Step seven says we humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. That's a capital H referring to God. Uh, so this is uh, from my Buddhism, the Twelve Steps Workbook. Um, I say step seven is about letting go. Clearly, that's what the Buddhist path is about as well, letting go of the cause of suffering. When detached from the idea of some supreme being fixing us, this step draws one of the most direct lines between the 12 steps and Buddhism. To make this connection, though, I think we need to understand the language of the step in a different way. Ajahn Buddhadasa says that when we pray, we are 
beseeching the law of karma through our actions, not merely with words. And this, I think, encapsulates the Buddhist approach to this step. We aren't just saying some words to ask God to remove our shortcomings. We are actively engaging in a process that goes against our long-term conditioned thoughts, words, and deeds to bring change in our lives. By living in a new way, our life is renewed. By addressing our destructive habits and ceasing to act on those impulses, we are breaking down the power of addiction. By taking up new behaviors and attitudes, we are creating new karmic patterns that bear fruit in every aspect of our lives. Letting go isn't really a passive activity. When we let go of our drinking, drugging, binging, or other addiction, it's an intensely engaged, challenging, and energetic energetic act. It takes a lot of counteraction to get into recovery, actions that go against our historical behaviors. Step seven may be the crux of the whole recovery process. It's right there in the numerical middle of the steps, it springs from the two most powerful elements of the step process, our relationship with the higher power and our inventory work. It embodies what recovery is all about, letting go. And it requires us to keep coming back to the step because for most of us, our shortcomings are persistent and ever-evolving, requiring a lifetime commitment to the work of letting go. So th- then I kind of talk about beseeching the law of karma and how we do that and, and antidotes to the uh, five hindrances as well as um, then uh, right, uh, the elements of, of uh, meditation, the effort, mindfulness, and concentration. Since that's kind of the Buddhist practice of letting go, developing that. Um, And then I have a whole long piece in this chapter about working with pain in the body. Um, So what what, um, I noticed as I was looking at that beforehand, in contrast to what I'm going to read to you later from Ajnamaro, is how so much of my focus in terms of higher powers is focusing on the power of karma, and that, that is, and so actions, and taking actions. Um, uh, and you'll see how, how uh, Ajinamaro's take on the idea of God or higher powers uh, contrasts with that. So that's uh, my teaser for the rest of the evening. And uh, since there haven't been any questions, I'm going to uh, suggest we take a little break. And and, um, during the break, I hope you will uh, greet someone that you don't know. Uh, This is a a group with shared interests, and uh, I think it's important for us to uh, get to know each other and be friendly. So uh, if there's someone sitting near you that you don't know, you might introduce yourself. And we will ring a bell in a few minutes and come back and carry on. So, thank you.
Can I ask uh, how many people are here for the first time? Just oh, God, I should have been on better behavior because now you're. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.